This is Parents' Rights Now. The answer is you. Train. Speak. Change. Parents and allies standing together. Millions of voices speaking as one. Stop messing with our kids. It ends here. Hey, everybody. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd. I'm going to talk about the obvious here today. What's up with Tucker Carlson? Leaving Fox News? How can we not recognize the significance of this situation? I've uh, been thinking about it for a week and just almost beside myself. First of all, I was I felt like I lost my best friend that literally I I watched we recorded it and watched it pretty much every night. And honestly, he is probably the most relational talk show guy. Well, maybe besides Rush Limbaugh. Oh, and a few others now that are, you know, on radio, on network television that I felt like I could relate to. So we're going to talk about Tucker today. TV host Tucker Carlson and Fox News. This is what the news said. This is ABC report have, quote, agreed to part ways, unquote. Fox said in a statement on Monday, we thank him for his service to the network, unquote. Fox said this in the statement about Carlson and did not provide a reason for his departure. I think that's what frustrated me more than anything. I was confused about what the heck happened here. So the news came on Monday, April 24th, and that was nearly one week after a $787.5 million settlement agreement between the network and Dominion Voting Systems. So Dominion Voting Systems had accused Fox of knowingly pushing false conspiracy theories that the voting machine company rigged the 2020 presidential election in Joe Biden's favor. Dominion, again, they're a voting system company, claimed it was an effort to combat concerns over declining ratings and viewer retention. Well, that's their opinion, not fact. Okay, in addition, the senior executive producer of the Tucker Carlson Tonight show, Justin Wells, was also let go. Now, was he let go or did he decide to leave? So, of course, many were stunned about this, including me, about this decision. And it will be some time, I think, before we learn all the facts. In light of the lawsuit, you know, that's not a lot of fun having a lawsuit like that. And it was a heck of a lot of money. He probably did just leave. And you're going to see why shortly. I'm going to share some more information with you about Tucker and his dedication to the truth and honesty. It's difficult to believe that Fox would consider firing their top-rated host. But maybe he left. And just maybe the result will be to his and our benefit. Like you, I went first to Carlson's most recent presentation to the Heritage Foundation. 
which was given on Friday, April 21st. It was a speech delivered at the Foundation's 50th Anniversary Gala celebration at the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center in Oxon Hill, Maryland. In his usual style, Tucker apologized for being underdressed because he just came from work and how rare it has become for him to be in a room full of, quote, nice people. (laughs) Who can resist this guy? I mean, he's the real deal. Humble, unpretentious, and constantly seeking truth. Carlson's first job was a fact checker, copy editor at Policy Review, the quarterly magazine of the Heritage Foundation and the job changed his life. He talked about the integrity of the organization and their commitment to fact. Quote, they treated me like an adult because they had high intellectual standards and they really hew to the highest standards of factual accuracy to intellectual honesty. They really mean it. Unquote. He complimented Kevin Roberts, the current and seventh president of Heritage, noting his honesty and sincerity, and went on to admonish the collapse of leadership. This is what he said. To see a leader, a real leader at the helm of an institution that matters, that has the kind of throw weight that Heritage does, was absolutely thrilling for me because the story of the last decade is the collapse of leadership, not of the population. The people remain noble and decent. So far as I can tell, I still live here. I'm never leaving. We have good people. We have terrible people in charge. (laughs) We can sure relate to that on the West Coast and in other states as well. And he goes on, and not just of our government, but of the institutions that I grew up in, the Episcopal Church, my high school. I can just go on and on and on. And they're all run by weak people. And it's the same in marriage. Weak husband causes angry wife. Weak leaders cause an angry country. And then he rambled on about recent events and how much he thinks about everything happening today and how long he can go on and on about it all, which I find refreshingly entertaining and nice to see from someone who is so popular. He is truly not impressed with himself. And then he came to the what, what I consider the heart of his speech, and he said this, but here are two conclusions I've come to, which I think are slightly less depressing than the most obvious, which is the country's really going at high speed in the wrong direction. Oh yeah, no kidding, in ways that are just unfathomable. He said, the first is you look around and you see so many people 
break under the strain, under the downward pressure of whatever this is we're going through. And you look with disdain and sadness as you see people you know become quizlings. You see them revealed as cowards, and you see them going along with a new thing, which is clearly a poisonous thing, a silly thing, saying things they don't believe because they want to keep their jobs. If there's a single person in this room who hasn't seen that through George Floyd and COVID and the Ukraine war, raise your hand. Oh, nobody? Right. You all know what I'm talking about. He continued, and you're so disappointed in people. You are. And you realize that the herd instinct is maybe the strongest instinct. I mean, it may be stronger than the hunger and sex instincts, actually. The instinct, which again is inherent to be like everybody else and not to be cast out of the group, not to be shunned. There's a very strong impulse in all of us from birth, and it takes over, unfortunately, in moments like this, and it's harnessed, in fact, by bad people in moments like this to produce uniformity. And you see people going along with this and you lose respect for them. I'm not mad at people. I'm just sad. I'm disappointed. How could you go along with this? You know it's not true, but you're saying it anyway. Now, haven't we all witnessed this? It just seems ridiculous. He continues, really, you're putting your pronouns in your email. But no one else thinks it's ridiculous. Oh, no, it's the pronouns in the email. What does that even mean? You're saying things you can't define. LGBTQIA+. Who's the plus? The plus is invited to my show anytime. Find a plus and I'll interview them. What's it like to be a plus? Am I a plus? I'm serious. I feel like I'm an addition. Does that make me a plus? No one even knows what it is. And the whole society, LGBTQIA+. All right. What's the plus? Oh, shut up, racist. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd been there. <laughs> this is great. So he goes on. So you reach that place and you feel, and this is one of the reasons, uh, Father Scalia who uh, prayed at the dinner, uh, I was actually overcome a little bit with emotion as you prayed, because I realized that I was so upset by the behavior of some people I love, frankly, in a country I revere and always have, that I wasn't praying for the country. And that's on me. And we all should be. Pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty cool to be hearing that from a guy who is the most popular commentator on Fox News and probably the most popular commentator, period. 
he recognizes that we need to be on our knees. He goes on. Back to my point. So you see the sadness happening, but there is as there always is. This is a fact of nature and theology and of observable reality. There is a countervailing force at work always. So for every 10 people who are putting he and him in their electronic J.P. Morgan email signatures, there's one person who's saying, no, I'm not doing that. Sorry, I don't want to fight, but I'm not doing that. It's a betrayal of what I think is true. It's a betrayal of my conscience, of my faith, of my sense of myself, of my dignity as a human being, of my autonomy. I am not a slave. I am a free citizen, and I'm not doing that. And there's nothing you can do to me to make me do it. <laughs> Again, I love it. I love this. It just... It, encapsulates so many situations that I've actually personally been involved in. Maybe if I have time this morning, I'm going to share a story on myself. He continued, and I hope it won't come to that. But if it does come to that, here I am. Here I am. It's the Apostle Paul on trial. Here I am. And you see that, and, and it's a completely unexpected assortment of people. Then he continued to talk about truth. And he said, truth is contagious. And once you say one true thing and stick with it, all kinds of other true things occur to you. The truth is contagious. Lying is, but the truth is is as well. And the second you decide to tell the truth about something you are filled with this, I don't want to get supernatural on you, but you are filled with this power from somewhere else. Try it. Tell the truth about something. You feel it every day. The more you tell the truth, the stronger you become. That's completely real. It's measurable in the way that you feel. Don't you love this? Wow. So, so common sense. And exactly. Once the truth is told and evidence provided, how can someone with any conscience at all support the opposite. And he goes on. And of course, the opposite is also true. The more you lie, the weaker and more terrified you become. We all know that feeling. You lie about something and all of a sudden you're a prisoner of that lie. You are diminished by it. You are weak and afraid. Then he continued on to analyze the left. And he said, there is no incentive whatsoever for you to tell the truth about anything 
you just go into the little re-education meetings and you're like, yeah, diversity is our strength. That's exactly right. We need equity in the capital markets. Okay, all right. No one is trained to stand up in the middle of a diversity, equity, and inclusion meeting at Citibank and say, this is nonsense. And the people who do that, oh, they have my deepest admiration. And so their example really gives me hope. It thrills me. I talk to them all day long, people like that. That's the first thing. We should, in this sad moment of profound and widespread destruction of the institutions that people who share our views built, by the way, earlier generations that would agree substantially with every person in this room, they built those and now they're being destroyed. And oh, that's so depressing. But we can also see rising in the distance new things, new institutions led by new people who are every bit as brave as the people who came before us. Amen. He continued, Here's the second thing. It might be time to start to reassess the terms we use to describe what we're watching. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. And that's completely wrong. There is no way to assess, for example, the transgender movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? <laughs> that's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome you're drive desiring here? An androgynous population? Are we arguing for that? I don't think anyone could defend that as a positive outcome, but the weight of government and a lot of corporate interests are behind it. Well, what is that? It's irrational. When people or crowds of people, or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, the largest human organization in human history, decide that the goal is to destroy things destruction for its own sake. Hey, let's tear it down. What you're watching is not a political movement. It's evil. I'll put it in non-political or rather non-specific theological terms and just say, if you want to know what's evil and what's good, what are the characteristics of each? Good is characterized by order, calmness, tranquility, peace, you know, whatever you want to call it, lack of conflict, cleanliness, and evil is characterized by their opposites, violence, hate, disorder, division, disorganization, and filth. So you're, if you are all in on the things that produce the latter basket of outcomes, what you're really advocating for is evil. That's just true. I'm not calling for a religious war, far from it. I'm merely calling for an acknowledgement 
these folks don't seem to want a debate. Those ideas won't produce outcomes that any rational person would want under any circumstances. Those are manifestations of some larger force acting upon us. It's just so obvious. It's completely obvious. And that was pretty much the end of Carlson's comments. And I agree. There's one more factor evident here. What we are seeing now is a departure from the original constitutional form of government. The framers understood true freedom and the nature of man. They devised a plan which provided for strict limits to the role of government, and the rest was up to the individual to either succeed in life or fail on his own terms. It is not the proper role of government to take care of individual citizens from birth to death. Providing food, shelter, and health care is not the proper role of government. Unfortunately, we have acquiesced to these radical distortions and are now paying the consequences. A little bit every year, increasing the role of government in our lives. And it's no surprise that K-12 public schools are now social service agencies instead of educational institutions and have nearly succeeded in controlling every aspect of our children's lives. That's why we have changed the direction of parents' rights in education. Five years ago, we were talking about opting out of controversial and sensitive curriculums that we don't want our children to even know about. And we were hoping that we could do that, that we could just opt out of the class. But what did the other side do? They literally saturated every other subject all day long in school with their agenda. Debate is over. There is no more debate. Because we will not give them another chance. We will not give them any possibility that we will agree with any part of their agenda. We just aren't going to go there. Guys, we have a huge opportunity now in their zeal to use their newfound power. They have exposed themselves. We know exactly what they're about. There is no question, and there is no leeway. It's destructive, and it's evil. In addition, we have no option but to fight, and I mean fight hard and do it now, and that means making sacrifices. If we give up, if we go back to our old lifestyle and the way we were doing things, they will win. We're done. Stop messing with our kids. It ends here. This is Parents' Rights Now. Please check your show notes for links. If you agree with us, why not consider making a monthly contribution to Parents' Rights in Education? We are a tax-deductible nonprofit organization and depend on contributors like you who contribute in small amounts every month. This is a crisis. It's a national crisis. Give today. ParentsRightsInEducation.com. <laughs>